Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Happiness in Humans. This episode forms part of my research interviews for my new book which is codenamed Freedom to be Human at the moment but I'm sure we'll change about 25 times before we actually get to the book coming out next year. Um, I am here with Matthew Knight um, who does some amazing work um, within a community called Leapers but I'm going to ask Matthew to introduce himself in his own words and tell us about what he does. Hello Matthew. Hey Matt, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've been for a run today, and that um, that's that's important for my happiness. That's really good. I haven't been for a run. I've done the school run. That's a different kind of uh, level of effort. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for inviting me. My name's Matthew Knight. I'm the chief freelance officer at Leapers. Um, we are a support community for the self-employed. Uh, we focus on supporting the mental health of freelancers, self-employed, small business owners, anybody who's working for themselves, doesn't have people around them, doesn't have an HR team who are doing that for them. Um, and we do three things. We are that peer support, a space where people can uh, come and have a coffee in the morning, can say what they're up to, can moan about a client, can ask questions of how others are approaching a particular challenge or what it's meant to feel like or just you know, be in touch with other people who are going through similar experiences and working in similar ways. We curate and create resources based upon those themes and those conversations and the challenges that the self-employed uh, face. So anybody can be more aware of what self-employment is like, not just the four hour work week on a beach, laptop, digital nomad, the kind of the, the happy picture that some see of it. And equally, not just the dreadful, awful kind of like, oh my God, it's so depressing and so isolating version. Yeah. It's like, it's the messy middle. And the third thing which we do is work with organizations to help them help their freelancers. So that might yeah. be employers, that might be uh, platforms, that might be community organizations, because we believe there's a shared responsibility in taking care of the self-employed. Wow, Matthew, what's what's interesting about that is obviously I've followed your journey for a while now, and you're not, you've now really succinctly nailed exactly what Leapers is, and mm. I, I totally got it from that. But from following your journey, when you set up Leapers, from what I could see from the outside, you were really just responding to a a kind of a need, weren't you? And over time, you've articulated that and, and understood that really yes. well is, is that is that is that a fair assumption or have i have i got that have i got that completely wrong no completely right i mean originally it started out as a, a space to have conversations around the changing nature of work um i saw yeah. more and more conversations around flexible remote distributed part-time job share um i had a six-month notice period from a job where i was uh, not that didn't have something to go to and I was just writing, this is an interesting time when you're trying to figure out what you want to do and how you want to work. And there were lots of broken models. Uh, I found like when you do resign, how come nobody speaks to you? You know, shouldn't it be celebrating their work and helping them yeah. find the next thing? Or why do you have a CV, which is just a list of dates and times that you were rather than what you offer to the next company? And I was writing a lot about it. And there was lots of interesting comments on the LinkedIn post, but that wasn't two way. And I wanted to have a conversation with people. So we yeah. created a Slack channel to have some of these conversations about the changing nature of work. And what was really evident very, very quickly is a lot of the conversations there were not about the operations of, of modern work. They were about the emotional experience, about, yeah. oh, God, I'm, I'm, I want to talk to my boss about this thing, but I'm feeling nervous about it. What, how should I position it? Or I've just moved into self-employment and suddenly like I haven't seen anybody for six months. So, and, and there were loads of resources online 
and brilliant communities about things like self-employment, the remote distributed work. But there was nothing which focused on this, you know, the, the emotional experience yeah. and directly or indirectly about the mental health impact that that has. So within about three months from that organic space, it could have been like really, really broad. I recognized this gap and it was about let's focus purely on that one thing so we can do that well rather yeah. than being all things to all people. And the focus of mental health in self-employment became evident then it was a case of, well, what are the challenges? Where's the research? Let's go and have a look at the research to show us what the big themes are and the big issues. And there wasn't any. Yeah. Um, so it, it then turned into a bit of a journey to say, well, actually, what are the things that everybody are struggling with and we should be focusing on and, and start to find really good quality advice and recommendations for people? For instance, burnout, you know, topic that many of us are, are far more aware of today than we were five years ago when we were talking about it then. Um, the standard advice is take some time off. But, yeah. uh, you know, when you're self-employed, it's not as easy as that because that means oh, yeah. I don't have any income or what if the phone rings? So Absolutely. it was a bit of an exploration. And as you say, yeah, kind of over the, over the time that has codified and we've started to understand what the trends and the challenges are in a more consistent way. And critically, where along that journey um, we can be more helpful to individuals. I, the reason I asked that question, Matthew, and thanks for explaining, is I think sometimes when someone is at the early stage and they're thinking about doing something, and then they'll look at something like what you've achieved with Leapers, and they'll think, wow, I couldn't do that. And the reason I shared it is because it's been interesting to watch you work it out as you've gone along. But this, the, the, true, the true problem that you're still solving for these people is still similar. You've yeah. just learn how to connect it all up and so on um so i just i love to share that for our listeners um in fact thank you for taking us through that that journey matthew um in terms of freelance and self-employed people and, and the way i introduce leapers to people from an outside perspective is i used to say before leapers that freelance or self-employed is is the worst of both worlds um because from my perspective i've been an employee and i've been a business owner mm -hmm. and if you're an employee, you get loads of things that, that are there to help yeah. you. Yeah. Like, and some companies are better and worse at doing it than the others, yeah. um, as we know. Um, and then if you start a company, you build it, you grow a team, and, and, and you get support through that. And, and there's still high risk there. I think 90% of businesses fail in the first three years, 95 in the first five. So you're still up against the odds. But I always looked at the sort of middle road of freelance and self-employment as well. Mm. You don't end up getting a team. Um, as big as say if you're a company you don't have all those support things so when I say now I say if people are going down that route make sure you go and have a look at leapers because um, if you're going down that route you need support and you need community because before yes. something like leapers I I used to look at it as someone who likes to have people around them as literally being on your own yeah um, and, and that sort of comes into to, I want to give everyone the context of what we're about to talk today about autonomy and freedom Mm. Um, and then that's why I've invited you on, Matthew, because we talk. The book goes through the hierarchy of happiness and engagement. Yep. One of the top four um, drivers of happiness for our listeners is freedom to take opportunities yes. um, that we see across the workforce. Now, within that, um, which we want to talk about today, is autonomy. Um, and I know you have views around freedom and autonomy but 
I just want to let's talk to someone who's let's talk to someone who's considering they're in an employed role at the moment and they're thinking of taking their skills and taking the leap um, and so on. Like what things because freedom, it may be driving that they may be unhappy, as we know from our data, because they don't have freedom. Yes. Can you talk us through from uh, from what you see in Leap is like what the, I think you use mis- misnomer in the in the conversation. But can you just talk us a bit around the community, what they feel around freedom and autonomy, please? Yeah, Matthew? yeah of course. I mean, it, so for control actually is the, the thing which ranks most highly in the decision or the driver to switch to self-employment um, uh, control over the the um, hours they work, control over where they work, but crucially control over the type of work they do, what work they do. Mm-hmm. There's obviously a narrative around flexibility and, and kind of like, you know, being able to design your day and working in the best way. But the, the thing which generally comes at the highest is control over what work I'm doing, which to me suggests that there is a lack of control in employment over what work you're asked to do. And I think that's fair. You know, in most organizations, there is a framework of you're given a job and you your task and you've kind of got to do it. If your boss asks you to do it, it's not like I don't want to do that. It's it's generally that is the model. And some organizations are better at giving people control over what they do and don't do. In self-employment, the in the purest form, um, you can say no. You can turn down a project that is not right for you, that you're not able to do, that you don't want to do, that perhaps you don't feel you have the skills to do. It's not interesting. You're too busy. You have the right to say no. You have the right to exercise choice over whether you do something. The reality is that whilst you have that choice and reserve that right, it's more complex than that. Because if you turn that project down, then you're not getting that income. Yeah. And the next project might not come along. And that's the reality that a lot of people who are in self-employment, let's focus on freelancing models at the moment, because obviously self-employment yeah. is everything from a builder, you know, a lawyer. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's wide range, but let's talk about freelance. So this kind of like, you know, kind of work. And does Leap, does Leap specialize in freelance or does it also do... We uh, 80% of what we talk about is true for all humans in terms right. of the basics of well-being and, and working. But I would say that there are additional challenges that the self-employed face in terms yeah. of things like lack of uh, sick pay, uh, paid holiday, not having uh, colleagues, uh, late payments. Those things are true yeah. across the board for self-employment. Um, and then there are lots of different working models within that. But this idea of being able to like a gig or a project or a brief coming in and saying yes or no um, and, and short, perhaps shorter term ones as well. You know, that is more kind of classic on the freelance side of things. So your ability to say no comes down to your ability to your ability to not take that work on. Right. So yeah. if if you have a bit of savings in the bank, that means actually if I'm not working this week, I'm OK. Yeah. Or. Um, that I've got three things in the pipeline and I'm choosing between A, B or C. I'm saying yeah. no to B and C because I want to do A. So that idea of being able to exercise control and choice is subject to you having other options or being confident that something else is going to come along. Yeah. As a result, 
a lot of freelancers, especially in the early stages, kind of when they're emerging into, into self-employment and, and freelance, they're having to unlearn a lot of things from their previous employment, unlearn that you can, you don't have to take everything on, unlearn yeah. that you're in control of the relationship and the power dynamic rather than just someone's giving you something, you have to do it. Yeah. So we'll, we'll make the mistake of taking everything on um, and we'll kind of struggle to say, no, I don't want to do something through the fear of, well, when's the next project coming along? Yeah. Um, if, I, if I don't say yes to this, what if I don't get the next thing? Uh, and as a result, I think a lot of freelancers, not a lot, our, our data shows that a lot of freelancers feel that they're not always in control of the work which they're doing. They're doing work which isn't always aligned to their values and their passions and their motivations. They're taking on projects which they need to do to pay the bills as opposed to want to do. So that sense of control is, is quite often uh, lacking because of a fear dynamic. The yeah. flip side of that is a lot of self-employed uh, get very busy and yeah. don't then have control over their diary. It's like, oh, God, I've got too much. I've taken too much on. Yeah. And it's impossible, almost impossible to manage that because schedules change and deadlines change. And the client's like, oh, actually, can I chat to you tomorrow? Or I'm only available. So you suddenly you've gone from like having one boss maybe to maybe four, five, six bosses who are all yeah. asking for a bit of your time. Um, and the third thing which makes it more complex is suddenly you're not just the craftsperson who's doing the work. Say you're an illustrator. You're not just the illustrator. Yeah. You're also the marketing guy and the accounting guy and the sales guy. And they have to do all these okay. other things to run a business. And those are additional things which are asking you of your time that you don't have control over. You know, the tax man is asking for this thing. The you know, yeah. accountant is asking. So, so it, it can actually feel like I went into this way of working because I want more control over things. But what actually happens is I feel like I have less control. Mm. And that's when we find this kind of like slippery slope of suddenly, oh, God, what do I do? This is, oh, I'm not sure I have to do it. And if you yeah. don't have that support network to go, is this what it's meant to feel like? Or where do I kind of, where can I release some tension? If you're doing that on your own, suddenly you feel like, oh, I should be in control of this. I have to take on all the responsibility. And if I can't, I'm a failure or I'm doing it wrong or I'm not very good at this. Yeah. So it's a really complex issue. It's the, it's the single biggest driver, but it's also, I think, the single biggest thing that people have to work really hard at. You don't just get control. You have to design how you are working in order to create and retain control. So, Matthew, what's just to tap into your experience then, when we work with traditional organisations, we when when companies achieve like, like these eight themes, including freedom and so on, mm. we call that freedom to be human. Yeah. Um, so it allows someone to be able to do these things within an organisation. Um, do you, from seeing in the community, is there anything that organisations can learn from seeing what you see in a community of people having freedom or autonomy? Because there's two ways forward, isn't there? There's the, the there's the really locking. I think the office is a bit of a misnomer as well because it's like you can still have people working at home and be over controlling and over monitoring them. Yes. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's the control bit the other way from the company. But let's say the company gets it right and they achieve what we would call freedom to be human, and everyone feels like they have control of their own schedule and they have autonomy. Yeah. 
we could end up with employees going through the same struggles that um, that your community has gone through. So yes. you share with us um, a bit of insight that, that you've seen in your community on how people achieve that. Because I even when you talk, I feel stressed about that because it yeah. sounds a bit feast and famine, isn't it? Like you're always worried about where the next yeah. thing comes from. And can you just talk us through what you've learned in the community that other organisations could learn? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think freedom is a really dangerous word. Um, because if you're free of any structures and support and frameworks, that is really open and, and your focus and your ability to kind of get things done, you're having to add an extra 20, 30% to kind of go, well, first of all, like, what is the space I'm playing in? What do I need to be focusing on? What is valuable? What isn't valuable? So I think autonomy and freedom are not the same thing. I think autonomy yeah. is, a, is the ability to um, figure out, like, prioritize for yourself within a, a, a subset of things yeah. and and I see, this is where i see it in organizations that do do it well is the the freedom or the flexibility and the autonomy is how you do that it's not yeah. necessarily the what you do it's the how you do it yeah. and i well, think this is where self-employment um uh, gets it gets it right if you're if you're working well and actually the law requires it of you is to say, hey, client, um, you want this thing from me. Let's say a website. Yeah. Um, it is not your place to tell me how to create that website. And in fact, you're probably asking me to do this because you don't know how. You can't do it yourself. You know you want an outcome or an output, a deliverable. It's my job to work out the how. It's your job to give me all the inputs that I need to be able to do that well. And then I'll give it to you back. Obviously, you know, yeah. it's collaboration and different models require different levels of interaction. But I think the how is where the freedom needs to work most effectively with really clearly defined. This is what we need to do and why we need to do it and all the kind of inputs. And then the output is, is the deliverable. And that's where self-employment works brilliantly because the power dynamics are a little bit different. You know, in organizations, it tends to be. This is what we need. This is how you need to do it because this is how we do it as an organization. It's like it's, it's very kind of lots of hangovers from the factory models, right? Yeah. It's rep, rep, um, being able to repeat things and codify yeah. and optimize. Whereas the model in self-employment a little bit more is, hey, we need a thing, really. Can you come in and do that for us? So I think organizations can give individuals more freedom and flexibility around how they approach things. But the absence of support is the challenge there. It's like suddenly, like, right, Here's the deliverable, define it, the scope and all that kind of stuff. Off you go. See you in three weeks. Yeah. Without the ability to call upon uh, a mentor or yeah. resources or seeing stuff where it's been done brilliantly before, or it's like too much freedom is, is terrifying. Yeah. And it's the support structures that people can call upon and advice and input and wisdom. I've always really like the racy model in organizations, you know, responsible, accountable, consult and inform. I think the C is really underutilized, that consult. Who are the people that I can go and ask questions of and bring in and add, add to this? In organizations, the other people in the organization are woefully underutilized in terms of their experience and knowledge and wisdom. Yeah. Um, whereas I think the, the freelancers that I see in our community who are, who are doing especially well are those who are asking others questions and kind of go, oh, I'm going to, I don't know what the answer is here. I'm going to go and bring that over here or I can't deliver that piece of the project. I'm going to partner up 
or I'm going to go and learn a little bit more. That active learning and and growing over time is where we see the most success happening. So it, it, I think it comes down to that really is is making sure that there is the autonomy and the how, but the support and the enablement for them to do a better job. I love it. Yeah, it's such a good way of describing it. And for our listeners to sort of connect this with our neuroscience, Matthew, the way the way we would interpret what you said is that freedom to be human means to be happy and engaged at work. Freedom is what we call um, a happiness driver, but clarity is what we call an engagement, um, mm. is what we call an engagement, which is what the brain needs. Yeah. So the way that I would interpret what Matthew's saying for our listeners um, that are familiar with the, with our work is that when we look at our data, just to chuck some data in, if if you have happiness without engagement, so let's for when happiness we mean safety, relationships, freedom, acknowledgement. If you have that without engagement, which includes clarity in, you end up with an unfocused workforce. Yes. So happiness with engagement ends up unfocused. And, and then the flip is the old traditional one where you have engagement. So you have clarity, meaning and purpose, personal growth and enablement without the other bit which is why lots of people probably quit their jobs and, and, and go freelance. Do you, this, this is an interesting question then. Do you think, I'm going to ask it two way rounds actually. Do you think there's people that join Leapers that if their company had actually got this balance right, they never yes. would have gone freelance or, or self-employed? 150% yes. Yeah. I, I think so many people see self-employment as the singular alternative to employment, which in itself is incorrect, and equally see self-employment as the answer to their current toxic job. Yeah. And, you know, we, 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 learn, uh, we learn from every relationship that we're in, and the current relationship is obviously the most present and, and kind of yeah. weighing on our minds. So we quite often kind of go, well, these things are broken in that job, I don't have the respect of my manager to let me go and do a good job in the way that I see fit. I don't have clarity. I don't have time of my, therefore what's the opposite of those things. And the opposite of employment is not self-employment. Yeah. They're not, they're not the only two options. Right. And quite often when people are asking me, you know, what are the things that I need to be thinking about if I I'm considering going self-employed, I say, well, what are the things that you don't like about your current role? And nine or 10 of those things won't be anything to do with, I, you know, I'm in a job and I have to work nine to five and all those kind of, it's, it's the respect and the autonomy and the control and motivation and psychological safety and positive feedback. It's like those things that you listed, you don't get by default by being self-employed. Yeah. There's Absolutely. very little feedback in self-employment, very yeah. little feedback best feedback yeah. that you tend to get is they hire you again and that is not a good metric yeah we we don't have you know as you as you know from all of the models around uh things like psychological safety and, and motivation and, and growth you need to have an understanding of the impact of your work so doing meaningful work is important yeah. and not thank you this was great it's what did that work lead to what outcomes did that drive six months 12 months down the line you don't tend to hear that back you don't good- know so yeah. there's, there's, you know, the whole kind of meaningful work thing can quite often be missing. Uh, clarity and, and kind of uh, and a structure and um, 
that that, that asp of it is, is often missing. Um, support and peers, that is quite often missing. Good quality communication is quite often missing. You have to work really, really hard to put those things in place. And on the flip side, the organizations that you're working with have no real legal obligation to provide those things to you. Um, so in, in many ways, when people are saying, you know, I'm missing these things from my current employment to step into self-employment, it's like it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Unless you are putting things in there to really improve that. So wow. I think, yeah, I, th I think, you know, it isn't it isn't the answer, right, to solve all of those things. You have to work almost twice as hard. The, po the really positive things, and I'm really always mindful of not like just painting a really, really negative picture of self-employment because it isn't negative. Net happiness is uh, 10, 15% higher uh, for the self-employed than it is for employment, employed people um, based upon various studies. Generally, people are happier. Happiness is defined in different ways in different reports, but you have to work at it harder. I think the highs are higher the lows are lower yeah but, but in net it's, it's better but i think when when people kind of twig oh okay in order for this to work for me i have to actively invest in designing how i'm going to work yeah in an organization it's given to in kind of old school organizations it's given to you that framework um increasingly you know modern organizations the teal organizations are giving that back to the individual right but i yep. think generally here's the framework that you work within you're missing that in self-employment so you have to design it for yourself yeah um and i think some people thrive in that because they want to design how they want to work yep. others suddenly go whoa hold on <laughs> all yep. this structure that i had is suddenly missing and i thought yep. actually i hated the structure but I thrive in clarity, in in habits, in an organization where there's micro interactions every day. And I didn't yeah. realize that actually I was benefiting from them. Where do I now find them from? And that that moment of what have I given up slaps a lot yeah. of people in the face. Yeah. So I really want to capture that that first point there, Matthew, that because we're in a world, I mean, we work in, in many different countries and economies are in different states but there are a lot of companies that are struggling to recruit at the moment and when you put yeah. it through your lens of this talent pool one just one to directly employ which we'll, i want to come on to now um freelancers in a better way but secondly you could be losing people that you didn't need to lose because you're not offering them what, what we would call vital human um things that they need to thrive completely and i my point of view on on this is Ignore the contract type. It doesn't matter whether somebody is employed or, or contracted to you or freelance. It doesn't matter. You, know, you need to give individuals a series of things in order to do your best work with them. Yeah. And, and it's all the things you're speaking about there. It's like, you know, clarity and support and engagement and feedback and, 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 and development and progression. All of those things are true. Yeah whether they're with you for a day or six weeks or six months or six years, it's exactly the same model. When yeah. people are with you for a shorter period of time, you have to do some of those things quicker and faster and you have to really invest in it, like getting to yeah. know each other, building relationships, you know, setting the culture and the expectations of ways of working. You have to do that in the first week. Yeah. 
uh, onboarding is a whole different game when you're only working together for you know six days. Yeah. When you've got six years, it can be a little bit more organic and happens through osmosis and, and so on. Yeah. But all of the things are true because they're fundamental human needs and they're about communication and, and relationship yeah. building. So I would like to see a world where actually it doesn't matter whether they're freelance or, or a permanent member of staff. It's the same set of principles and values that you apply. Yeah. And really the only difference is how they get paid. Yeah. And I, I, I the, the other bit I want to capture from that, Matthew, that you said earlier around how it's that people want the freedom to work out how to do it. And it's the mm. clarity around what the outcome that, that you want to achieve is, which I, I know from the organizations that I work with that do really well, it's where they're really clear about the outcomes that they want to achieve, but then they're not micromanaging the way and the how to do it. Yeah. I, I think also the other thing is that different people need different things. You know, some yeah. people do not thrive in autonomous, free, open systems. Yeah. Uh, other people absolutely require it. Yeah. So to have a single model to to ever say, right, all people who work in our organization have to be in this autonomous model. And this is, yeah. is I think, is incorrect. I think, you know, the the first part of an engagement with any individual in any team is like, what do you need to do your best work? How do you thrive? Yeah. And then you kind of plug the gaps. If there's a complete disconnect in the organizational and working culture and ways of working to that individual, then yeah. that's going to be a problem. What do you do? Does that mean actually we shouldn't have hired them because they won't thrive in their environment or do we need to change some of our habits so we can yeah. support them to create a more inclusive environment? But if you're, if you're forcing any model, a factory model, an autonomous model, like if you're saying this is the mandated way of working, yeah. you are going to, I mean, there's probably a number, Is it's probably 80-20 rule, right? You're going to fail yeah. Yeah. for a good proportion yeah. of people. That's exactly what you're describing, the right that is what we call freedom to be human, which is allowing people to work in the way that works for them. And even in my team, if I think about it, I always, because we have the model up and we use it all the time, I just ask people, like, what, what are the top ones for you? Because it's different yeah. for everyone. And like, I've got someone in my team who freedom is the number one for them and autonomy is important. But I've got someone else in my team that clarity is important. It's their number one. Do they always know when you ask the question? People do think about it. People change over time. It's mm -hmm. just it's a conversation starter to really listen yeah. about what's important to someone. And, and the language they use and, and how they talk about it is really, it really helps. But I know with one of them, like, they just want to know, can you let us know what I need to do in the next month? Yeah. And the big, the biggest thing that I notice from it is which direv direction of the c travel communication goes to. So the one who wants freedom wants to know they want to come to me and ask me what they what I want. I tell them, and then they go off, and they will come back to me when they need me. Mm -hmm. um, but if I go to them, they would see it as micromanagement. But the direction of travel changes with the person who wants clarity, yeah. because they the the conversation starts the same. But if I don't check in with them, they think I don't care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this, going back to your point, the same behavior is perceived differently by two of my key employees. One of them would see checking in as micromanagement. One of them sees checking in as that I care about them. But if I didn't speak to them and start the conversation, I wouldn't have picked up. And that's why I like your point around one model isn't going to work for everyone because we know all human beings are different. Managers have an incredibly difficult job. Um, yeah. because they do have to 
support and engage with seven, eight, nine different personality types in their team potentially. And that is a full-time job. And, yeah. and I think from the flip side, I think in some, in some ways, I think we've gone too far in having people-centric organizations. We've gone from organizational goals to yeah. being people-centric and the middle needs to be objective-centric really it's like how we've we've got objectives that we need to solve for profit for purpose for planet whatever it is how do we work together in order to do that in the most effective most sustainable way yeah people has to be a part of that because we we can't do it to the detriment of our people Absolutely. and it's 90 percent of how we're going to get there yeah. therefore it has to be right if if 90 percent of our staff uh can't work on a saturday then working on a Saturday is not a good sensible thing. <laughs> but at the yeah. same time, I don't think I, I don't think you can the customer is not always right. The employee is not always right. You know, especially yeah. with younger members of the workforce that haven't been in those environments. A manager may well know what is better better to get a job done. Yeah. Um, you have a lot to learn in in any role, regardless of how long you've been. And I think, oh actually I didn't realise that this is a more appropriate way or this is more effective. I yeah. think you know, for somebody to say, we do a lot of this work with the manual of me. It's like we ask people a lot of questions around, you know, what are your preferences and, and how do you prefer working and how do you feel that you work best? But that is not a, a, a list of demands. Yeah. That is things to be aware of. Yeah. Like where it works for everybody or most people, we will do that. Where there are outliers and it's going to cause a real issue, you have to make a decision on, well, what do we yeah. do in this situation? Yeah. And I think that's what we've, we've, the pendulum has swung too far yeah and we're seeing this with a, a lot of you know almost a sense of entitlement for a lot of people if it doesn't yeah. work for me rah, as opposed to compromise and fitting into part of a system yeah and i think that's where more emotionally intelligent organizations or rather more inte emotionally intelligent teams because you don't have organizational cultures you have team cultures right yeah I think more emotionally intelligent teams are the ones who kind of go, some things we're aligned on, some things are issues that we want to resolve. Some things are just too far of an edge case and an outlier and we can't make everybody happy. Yeah. Because that's what relationships are. It's a bit of give yeah. and take. It's called life. <laughs> um, Matthew, we've only got five minutes left and I, I mm. want to respect your time. I want to use your experience now because obviously you said in your intro, you help organisations on, on how to work. Um, better with freelancers and so on and I want to take that manager as an example there that you said you, you feel for managers because the job is changing yeah. I, I do worry from some of the conversations that I have that some managers are not going to make the leap um, yeah. to the new world and that's why I, I want to get your advice here because you leapers was a thing before anyone knew this thing was going to be a thing in the pandemic and all that kind of stuff so in many ways it's well before its time and and what I see at the moment is some people who intuitively get that this world has changed and a, a, an employee can leave tomorrow, can go and travel the world, and even like say the cliche of working from Bali on the laptop. It's, it's a possibility, right? They can join something yeah. like Leapers. How do we How do we help? Because uh, the, the conversations that I hear sometimes that worry me, they go, they say things like, oh, employees are just not what they like used to be. People don't want to work hard. People don't want to do this. And... And it's, it's just blaming the employee. And, I, and, I, yeah. and I'm empathetic of that because I know it's stressful. But what can we learn from the Leapers community to help these managers? Because 
just minding that employees are not like what they used to be is not going to bring bring back the old days. Not everyone can do what Elon Musk has done, which is fire half the staff and tell everyone to come back to the office. Not that I recommend that. Um, we, we've got to be working with people. How how can we help managers pre pre prepare for this new world, Matthew? It's a really good question, and there's no single answer. I think it starts before you even hire the individual. Is is really being clear on what your team's values are and ways of working and expectations on on people, um, and then looking at individuals in you know the interview process is not just capabilities; it's about aptitude, aptitude and attitude, and what they want to get out of roles and understanding what motivates them and drives them and engages them. And I think having a far more, um, uh, it's a harder thing to do because you can look at someone's CV and like, oh, how many years have you been here and everything. Capabilities are relatively easy to look at, but that kind of like, what is it that really makes you tick and what is it engaging, what motivates you to understand the engagement aspect of it starts before they're in the job. Yeah. And and then that sets your OKRs into a different way. It's not just what is that individual delivering for the organization it is what is the organization delivering for that person? It's a relationship. You know, it's yeah. not a they're not human resources. It is a relationship. The organization cannot deliver without its people and people can't do work without an organization. It's it's symbiotic. And I think the power dynamic is, is balancing a little bit. It's gone too far in the other way with people refusing to work in certain situations. But I think that that relationship is, is essential. So understanding what engages and motivates and in their, what is success for them? What is it that makes them really excited and get up? And I'm not talking about, oh, you know, we've gone far past pool tables and you know yeah. free pizza, right? It's about... What is meaningful to you? What is valuable to you? What does progression feel like to you? Yeah, that's the first step. Not everybody's equipped to have those conversations, and, and managers yeah. don't very rarely get training in how to be a manager, how to listen more effectively, how to hear what somebody's really saying, how to have a good, emotionally intelligent conversation with somebody, and they're lacking the frameworks and the support to do that. Yeah, um, and then I think the second thing and I'm passionate about this, and I think a lot of people would really struggle, is not thinking about the individual in the role, but think about the individual as their career. What job do they want to do next? When I was yeah. running teams, this was the almost the first question that I would ask my new employees. What job do you want to be doing after you leave this team? Yeah. And then I saw it as my role as a manager to equip them to take the next role. So if they way. wanted to be, well, I actually want to move into a different department. It's like, right, so you're with us for two years. I had an unofficial rule that nobody's allowed to be in my team for longer than two years. We have two years to get you into that next gig. What do you need to learn? What do you need to demonstrate? What do you need to, um, who do you need to be connected to? And that was then the development plan. And then the whole focus was on about them achieving and moving forward and progressing and developing. The outcome of that then was this sense of actually, I want to see you succeed. Mm -hmm. And the individual would be like, hold on, I'm learning, I'm developing, you're like taking care of me, you're really enjoying this, I'm doing brilliant work yeah. because that's helping me get to the next thing. I don't want to leave. This is like, this is, yeah. this feels brilliant. And we kick them out. But I think that having that sense of investment in their career as an individual as opposed to just in the role 
is is critical we benefit when we hire a person from another organization right you know that classic yeah. thing of what if we train them and they leave nonsense yeah. it's like you are benefiting from the previous organization investing in them yeah and yes the next organization is going to benefit from you but it's it's, it's an ecosystem it's an ecosystem so i think yeah. thinking that long term about actually what is it that individual really needs to grow and by doing that they are going to want to stay mm, that's that's fascinating matthew and just to connect a few points there for our listeners because personal growth and development is sits, sits in in the brain part that we call engagement is linked to direction mm. and what my interpretation of what you're doing there is you're sitting down on day one and actually agreeing where the where the direction of travel is and admitting that that may be outside of your team. I also like the the, the use of the word team because some people say, oh, we know you're going to leave this company in two years, which may or may not happen. But by just using it as team, it could be a team in another company, but it could also be a team here, which opens up the door to lots of conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... The, the future of work is more fluid and that is fluidity within organizations you know across teams across different companies across models of work and i think the if you look at a lot of scandinavian businesses are really good at doing this and you see this yeah. more to, often in, in large scandinavian businesses that people will be within a single organization for like 20 30 years but they've had six or seven very different jobs in that time yeah. And they've moved around and it's part of the culture. It's like, actually, you're not going to be here for too long. You, you're going to take some of that and develop further. They want to keep them within the family or within the organization, but actually they want to give them different challenges and different roles. And I think that fluidity of, of movement is, is what a lot of people want. They want, they don't want to feel stale. They don't want to be doing the same sort of thing for year and year, but that doesn't mean that your organization isn't right for them. It just means that their current project or current engagement might have elapsed. And I think if we can have that mindset from the out to actively almost encourage that movement and that fluidity, that means embracing people coming in from the outside or from different teams. That means supporting people on their journey to the next thing or being variable in how long we have somebody around with us. Then a lot of things start to improve because things like, the minute that you resign your persona non grata and nobody talks to you and that's seen as a balance like no this should be a celebration of your graduation from our team onto the next big challenge yeah i I think a lot of mindsets around hate the phrase employee retention yeah because it suggests like oh we're clinging on to them desperately as opposed to development and i think if we shift the mindset of owning employees or retaining employees or acquiring employees as opposed yeah. to engagements, periods of engagements. And that is a freelancer for six weeks or a, a, a permanent role for three and a half years or a single project or just a day or whatever. I think engagements and how do you ring the right person with a right mindset and attitude and way of working for a period of time that's focused on a deliverable and an outcome that is attractive for the person that you want to bring in and is you know effective for the organization that then allows us to focus on the stuff that really matters uh, rather than this idea of I don't know, people metrics and kind of churn and all that kind of stuff, which yeah. is, is works on an accounting platform, but not on a human engagement platform. Yeah. Matthew, our time is up. You've been incredibly generous with the insight you shared with us. Not it's, I think you come, you have a very unique perspective because the group of people that you work with um, to most people are all singular 
but because you've brought them into community, the insight that you can share is huge. If you're listening um, and, and you are looking at freelance and um, self-employment, check out Leapers. If you're a company that's looking to work better with your with your freelancers and so on, check out Matthew's work. It is amazing. And I just want to finish by saying thank you for sharing all that insight and knowledge, Matthew. Thank you, Matt. And thanks for the stuff which you're doing, because I think putting real rigor and structure and science behind things really helps people to understand the benefits and the multipliers. And, you know, it, it can be so woolly and hand wavy at times. Right. Yeah. And putting real science and rigor behind things which are complicated and chaotic and messy. Us, yeah. us people helps a lot of organizations actually kind of go, I get how this drives the bottom line and is benefit for me. So if you have people who are emotional and doing it for the right reasons yeah. and you have people who are rational, it's like, I just need to hit the PL. Everybody yeah. can benefit from that. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to do. Yeah. So thank you. Um, thanks, Matthew. And we're having fun. That's the most important thing. We're enjoying it as we go, making loads of mistakes and, and having fun. But but it's been brilliant, Matthew, and appreciate your time. Thank you.